0: I I, uh, provided an analogy several weeks back that I want to um, remind us of because it's a picture of what we're going to be talking about, especially today and in the coming weeks. So here's the analogy. Imagine that your parents are United States citizens, born and raised in Pittsburgh. But the day you're born, they find themselves at the southernmost tip of Argentina. You are born into the world as a citizen of the United States in a foreign land. And I tried to say Tierra del Fuego, but every time I say it, I mess it up. So I'm going to go with uh, Val's bucket list location, Patagonia, because I can pronounce that. And it's down there somewhere. (laughs) So there you are in Patagonia, some 8,000 miles by land to get to Pittsburgh. So you're a citizen of the United States, but you've never been there. You live with your parents who talk about home, Pittsburgh. They talk about home, about the food that they ate, about the way that they talk, the habits that they have, the traditions, the holidays, the culture in your home is Pittsburgh, but you live in Patagonia. You get used to the ways of Southern Argentina, but it never feels like home. When you're still young, your parents are traveling to Europe without you, and there's a global disaster that shuts down modern conveniences and all modern travel. You, you are told that you cannot stay there. Everybody must go back to their home country. And you must do it by walking, because there are no, there's no transportation. There are no buses. There are no cars running. There are no planes flying. The world is shutting down. You don't know how you're going to get there, and you don't know how long it will take, and you don't know the supplies, and so you're stuck as a young person, alone, in a foreign land. On the day you're about to leave, a grizzled old guy shows up with nine other people who are also heading for home in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. This grizzled old man that you've never met comes to you and guarantees, if you will follow me, if you will do what I tell you to do, then you will, I guarantee that you will make it home. All you have to do is follow, and he hands you a manual, follow um, this manual as we take this trip and do what I tell you to do. So there you are with nine other U.S. citizens and this grizzled old man that's guaranteeing, and you begin to walk. The only way you have a chance to survive and to get home is if you follow this man. You do what the manual says, and you do what he says. The only way that you can make it is to trust and refuse to give up. Your responsibility is to follow the manual and follow the guide. Now, if you haven't yet made the connection, your birth in Patagonia represents being born again, accepting Christ as your Savior. And when you do that, you become a citizen of heaven, but you're in a foreign land. The journey is life, from the point when you accept Christ, until you die. That's the journey from Patagonia to Pittsburgh. It doesn't seem near as romantic as, <laughs> as going to heaven, does it? The man is the Holy Spirit. The grizz, this grizzled old guide is the Holy Spirit. He, he promises to be with you. The manual is the Word of God. It's the Bible. And he says this, this is how we have to live on this journey. And you have to follow my application of it as we go forward. The group that you're traveling with is your church family to make it all the way home. So that's the picture, and we're going to be using that picture in the coming weeks because as we come to chapter 4 of the book of Philippians, we find this transition between theology to practical application on what it means to walk the trail. It's, it's one thing to be sitting in Patagonia with the manual in your hand and the man sitting in front of you and the nine other people in the living room and thinking about the trip. It's a whole other thing when you start on the trip and things begin to happen. So some big issues and practical actions as we journey home. Number one, keep going no matter what. Keep going no matter what. Philippians chapter four, verse one. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm, stand firm. Thus in the Lord, my beloved, stand firm. And what he's not, he's not talking about physically standing firm. He's talking about spiritually holding on to God and doing what he tells you to do and refusing to give up. So we go back to the analogy as we start on this trip. It's about standing strong. It's about refusing to give up. It's about uh, not leaving the trail. It's about watching the guide, listening to the guide, learning the manual, applying the manual, and doing it together. Now, one, uh, one thing about studying the Bible is that any time you see the word therefore, it refers back to what has been previously stated. And that's where we come to in Philippians chapter 4. We've already spent like, what, 15 weeks in the book of Philippians. And Katie and others have complained about, there's no place to write in my Bible anymore because I'm taking notes. (laughs) There are things, uh, and maybe you don't know this, but if you go to, there are places where you can buy books that have no writing in them. (laughs) There you go. There you go. So therefore is referring back. And I put a note, I put a bullet point there in the outline that chapters 1 to 3 provide some really deep, powerful theology, understanding of who God is and his ways, motivation to follow Christ, tools to do it, to travel home, as in last week, we talked about the three roles that we play. As sojourners, people who are traveling through this life, we don't belong here, we're traveling through this life. We are passports, say, heaven. Soldiers, as we fight along, as we travel this, this is not a vacation trip, this is a war. And every, around every tree could be a sniper. Around every bend could be an opposing army. So traveling this is as a soldier for the, with the purpose of rescuing those and helping other people come along on the journey as well. And then finally, as ambassadors, we talked about how it's, it, we are to be salt and light in the aroma of Christ. We're, we're, we only do what God tells us to do. We only say what God tells us to say because we're representing Him as we're traveling on this trip. So because uh, it says, therefore, I, I think it's important that we highlight what he has said to us so far that, that prepares us for the practical actions that he's given to us. So I want you to uh, flip back to chapter one. And let me just highlight some of these things. And you can go online uh, on the church Facebook page if you want to watch the messages or, or the YouTube channel, you can watch the message or the Spotify, you can listen to the message. Or um, there are CDs out here you can get if you want to go back to any of these messages previously. And we've covered all of this. But here's what he's, here's what he's building on. In Philippians chapter 1, uh, beginning with verse 3, he talks about his partnership with the Philippians. In some ways, he tells them, you guys are the best. You know, you're not supposed to have favorites, but he, the Philippians are obviously his favorites. Right, and some of your parents are going, that's right, you're not supposed to. But you do, right? You have, yeah, there, there's some the, Depending on the day, there are different favorites, too. But, but, Right? Some days you like to kill them. Some days you like to hug them. But he's saying, you guys are the best. Doesn't mean they're perfect, but you guys are the best. And I'm partnering with this. And in verse 6, he says, I'm sure that he, God, who began a good work in you, will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. The journey. He says, you're on this journey and I know he's going to, I have confidence in you. And then he says in verse 12, he says, I want you to know that my arrest is actually serving to to advance the gospel. So it's good that I'm in prison. So pray for me, but understand that bad things happen and God uses them. Um, Up to verse 21, he says, um, he gives perspective. He says, live, as long as we're on this journey, we live for Christ. But to, if we die, it's actually gain. And, and we talked about how he actually prefers. It's actually better to die and go to be with Jesus. That's the goal. And then he gives, a, in verse 27, he challenges them, which is going to be important as we go to chapter 4. Let the manner of your life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. As you're traveling on this journey, following the Holy Spirit, uh, living by the manual, along with these other people that are on the trip, make sure you're living in a way that represents Christ. Um, he says in verse 28, don't be frightened by anything. You're going to have opponents. Those people are going to be sniping at you. Yeah, there's enemies everywhere, but you don't have to be afraid of them because he, he's, he's, it's for the sake of Christ and he lives within us. Chapter two, um, he says uh, in in verse two, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. That's going to be important as we get to chapter four, when relationships become a big deal. Humility, um, he says, counting others as better than yourselves. And then he talks about the unity that we can have in Christ and the example that Jesus set as he was humble. Um, and then in, in verse 12, chapter 2, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only in my presence, but also in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He says, keep reading the manual and, and doing what it says. Keep following the Holy Spirit and do it what it says and do it together. Work it out together in very practical ways. And then verse 14, do everything without complaining. Because complaining means you're not trusting him. You're not, you're not really believing him. In the last part of chapter 2, he gives the example of Timothy and Epaphroditus as people who, that we should follow their example. Chapter 3, he says uh, in verse 2, watch out for those who appear to be uh, teachers but are not. And he calls them dogs. He says... They, they, because they, are, they appear to be teaching in Jesus' name, but they're not. They're leading people astray. And then he goes in this wonderful description that says, Je- following Jesus is the best. Following Jesus, is the, there's nothing better. There's no greater pleasure. There's no greater joy. He said, I had it all, and it was all like garbage. It's all garbage compared to what you get when you're following Jesus. And then verse 12, he says, not that I've already obtained this or already been made perfect, but I press on. He says, it's a journey. You have to keep pressing on. We never arrive until we die. And so we just keep working at it. We keep surrendering. And I got to tell you, I'm an old guy now. And I I tell you, it's true. Every day with Jesus gets better. It every day gets more glorious. The more you surrender, the more you experience him, the more you understand the manual, the more you experience following the Holy Spirit. It just gets better and better and better. And then he highlights that we need to follow those who are following Christ. That there are models. And so the Holy Spirit is this grizzled old man, but there are some people along on this trip that, that are farther along. And they've got some wisdom. They've got some ways of acting that we can say, oh, that's what that looks like to love people. That's what it looks like um, to follow Jesus in my family. That's what it looks like. And then he says in verse 20, chapter 3, he says, but our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. And that's where we're headed. So he says, all of that, and then he comes back. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, you hear, the, you hear his heart? Stand firm thus in the Lord because of all that you've seen, all that you've learned, all that I've just talked about. Now stand firm in the Lord. So a couple of applications. I put a bullet point in there for you. Beginning is exciting. Persevering is excruciating. And that's just true of life. But it's also true of beginning this journey. So if you remember back, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, and, and you can remember back to the time when you accepted Christ as Savior, There was a reason you did that. Usually it's because we come to the end of ourselves or our lives are just messed up or we're, we're just so overwhelmed by sadness or junk. And there's a relief in that moment, isn't there? It's good to start. It's wonderful to start. But it's hard when the journey goes on for a while. Um... I get a kick out of flying um, in and out of the Orlando airport in Florida. Because if you go to the arrivals area of the Orlando airport, you'll see a lot of families coming from all over the world uh, to Orlando in order to go to Disney World. And you'll see them, and they got smiles on their faces. And um, oftentimes they'll, they'll have all these matching outfits. And some of them will have special hats on. And, and they, they, sometimes they're carrying princesses or, or, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, um, you know, the kids will, will stop and see something. They'll be excited. And mom and dad will lean down. Yeah, isn't that great, honey? Isn't that, isn't, isn't that special? And, oh, where do you want to get something? To eat? Let's go get something to eat. And everybody's excited. And, and they're going. If you go to the departures area. A week later, you'll find that same family, and they got scowls on their faces. They're completely worn out. The kids, uh, you know, they got mismatched clothes on. The, the toys may have a head on it or the hair pulled out. Um, they, and the parents look like they have just gone through a, a, a war, which I think is. And, and if the kid stops someplace and is trying to play, we don't have time for that, come on! And you look down and some of the little kids are actually riding on the suitcases because they're so worn out. And, you're, you know, the, and they're getting on like, get on a plane! Why don't it's wonderful to begin. But after the journey gets on the way a while, it gets hard. So I just, I just get a kick out of watching all of that happen. Knowing that I'm not going anywhere close to that place. And I'm all by myself. It's easy to begin. It's wonderful to begin. It's exciting to begin. And so the guide shows up with nine other people, and you've been sitting in a darkened house for who knows how long because you don't have any family around. There's no electricity, there's no gas, and you've just been eating whatever food was left in the house, and he shows up with these other people with supplies and promises, and it's exciting. I'm going to get to go home. I've heard from my parents about Pittsburgh and pierogies and and Steelers and, and all of that stuff, but I've never been there, and so it's exciting to get on the road. But after you're on the road for a while, you learn that it's hard, isn't it? Every NFL team training camp, the coach stands in front of the players and says, we can make it to the Super Bowl. And they believe it because it's fresh. It's a new season. There's no wins. There's no losses. There's all kinds of possibility. We got a new team. We got new coaching schemes. We got, and, and it's all exciting. Well, you get about nine or 10 games in and your record's in the dumper and you're getting injured and uh, you're mad at each other and you're frustrated with the quarterback and now the journey is hard. Mm -hmm. Sheila, my wife, is a quilter and she makes some of the most beautiful creations I've ever seen. Award-winning, blue ribbon award-winning quilter, if I can brag just a little bit. She makes all these quilts for our grandkids She's got, and it's always exciting when she's starting. So some of you ladies might identify with this. It's, uh, you know, blue sky. She looks through books to see what kind of patterns would be perfect for the, grand, the newest grandchild. She looks at fabric and all the different kinds of ideas. What kind of the border is going to be and, and um, all of the different parts of it. And, and, and always got to buy a new tool or, or two, you know, because you just got to I have that, and it's exciting. And then she gets about halfway through, and um, I wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning and in order to go to the bathroom, and she's nowhere to be, she's working on that quilt because we've got to get on a plane and take that quilt to the child. And she, and it's, I don't know, and here, here are some of her words. See if you identify with this. I don't know why I ever started this. <laughs> These grandchildren—they need to stop having these grandchildren because I—I am—I just can't do this. I'm getting old. I can't do. I can't find. And then she—and then she's got to tear parts of it out. And it's—it's—it's it's, it's exciting to start things, but it's hard on the journey. Now I'm drawing this out because I'm telling you, it's exciting to start this journey with Christ, but the longer you're on it the more brutal it can become. <clears throat> because the greater your capacity to be a soldier for Jesus Christ, the more you will be put in situations where the bullets are flying closer, the, the enemy is closer, the battle is hotter, because that's where Jesus needs you. And the more um, frustrating it'll be, to God will bring people in your life where he wants you to be the salt and light, and the aroma, and you can't them. Why do I always attract weird people? (laughs) Is one of the questions that I will ask Sheila from time to time. Because people show, why are they talking to me about this? You know what it is? Because God sends them because he wants them to see him. And it's not about us. And it gets hard. So the journey is exciting in the beginning, but as it goes, it gets difficult here's another one. You listen to a young couple who are going to have their first child. I haven't even said anything yet, and you're laughing. (laughs) Because you know what it's like, right? All of this excitement and showers and energy put into this, and and then the child arrives and you see the pictures on social media and the mom and the dad and the baby, my, the joy of my life and hearts and balloons, all, all of these pictures and, and everything. And then two weeks later, they're at home and you stop by to deliver a casserole. If you can get them to answer the door, coming to the door is this disheveled uh, mom who's got dark circles under her eyes. She's got this stuff on her shoulder. <laughs> you look into the house and it's, and it's chaos. It's just diapers and, and bassinet here and blankets there and the dogs over there licking up something you don't even know <laughs> what it is. Right? Am I, am I lying? Why? Because now it's, you're in the journey. Now reality has hit. And so so often as Christians, when we hit those times, we go, it's not supposed to be this way. But that's a lie. Because what he tells us in the Word. It's exciting to start. So I'm going to challenge you because you, you, may have, you may not just be starting. You may be on the, the road. You may be halfway to Pittsburgh by this point. And you're thinking, okay, it will it, never get bad, worse than this. <laughs> and I'm telling you, because we're soldiers, we're sojourners, we're ambassadors, and God wants to g- give us the opportunities to serve him and give those who are um, captured by him the opportunity to find him, that he'll put us in the middle of the worst kinds of situations. It's hard. The journey's hard. Soldiers expect that. So my challenge to us is, are we being soldiers or are we being whiners? Because the journey's hard. It's exciting to start, but it's excruciating sometimes. Um, Jesus addressed this whole issue, and, 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 and we've talked about persevering before, but what he's going to get into in chapter 4 are where the rubber meets the road kind of issues that, that will require high-level Perseverance. Jesus referred to this when he, he talked about it, it's, you know, in the parable of the sower, he said, it's, it's not all, it's not all the seeds, but it's the seeds that land in the so- good soil that with good hearts persevere and produce. Yep. And then I gave you a couple of other scriptures from Matthew, Matthew 7, 7, verses 13 and 14 it says, enter by the narrow gate. Here he is. Sojourners, soldiers, ambassadors. Go through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. So as we go on this journey, and we're looking at our guide, and it seems like he's taking the hardest path every time. And we're going, how come we, why can't we take, this looks easier. This is down, you want us to keep going uphill, and over rocks, and around. And there's a wide path, there's a path, people have been traveling this. Why don't we take this path? And he says, that one leads to Destruction. But it looks so much easier. And he says, there comes a time as people are walking this path that all of these offshoots are available to them and people get tired. And he says, the gate is wide, the way is easy, that leads to destruction, and those who enter it are many. On this journey, there will be a lot of people who start, but they get frustrated. I don't want to travel the hard path anymore. I'm going to take this one. Not realizing it leads to destruction. So he says, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard. The way is hard. Why do we think when we come to Christ, it's going to be easier? When Jesus blatantly says, it's hard, Mm -hmm. not bad, but it's hard and it's good because we're with Jesus. We got the Holy Spirit leading us. We got the Bible guiding us and we're headed for home. He says that wide path over there, it looks like it might go the same direction, but ultimately it leads to hell. It's hard. And those who find it are few. On this journey, as we're trying to get from Patagonia to Pittsburgh, I like that. Patagonia. They both start with P too. That's, that's, that's nice. Patagonia to Pittsburgh, there are going to be a lot of people who are traveling and then it's going to get narrower and, narrow, and people, less and less and less and less people and people it's hard. Matthew 24, 12 and 13 says, And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. You could travel almost 8,000 miles and you get to Washington, PA. And if you give up, you don't make it home. Because Washington PA is not Pittsburgh PA. He says, he who endures to the end, all the way to the end, in spite of all this stuff. Now, as you're journeying, this statement came to me and, and it really hit me and, and I've been experiencing living it, focused on it for a while. And that is the capacity to keep going. And I, and I put a blank there because it applies to pretty much every quality that you want to develop the the capacity to keep going when you're tired is one or when you're in pain or when you're frustrated or when you're disappointed you can put whatever one you want in there but we're going to focus on when you're tired the capacity to keep going when you're tired is developed by pushing through being tired until it becomes normal did you hear me The capacity to keep going when you're in pain is developed by pushing through while you're in pain Mm -hmm. until it becomes normal. Soldiers who go through basic training have certain capacity. But then if they go into special forces training, it is founded on this this understanding, this reality. Is that they push them, they push them, they push them through the pain until pain becomes typical. It's just how they're living. They're living with pain. And that's the way it is spiritually as well. Our our capacity to keep going is dependent upon us pushing through whatever we face so that we can keep going and it just becomes normal. We... uh, um, difficulties come and you go, it, when you're early on the journey, you go, why do I have to put up with these difficulties? These difficulties are hard. By the time you get farther down the journey, if you stay on the path and you're watching, the, you're following the Holy Spirit and the manual, and it's difficult, you're not, you're not even paying attention to the, the difficulties anymore because it's just the norm. And that's the Christian life. We have to give up the idea that someday it's going to get easier. Yep. Amen. It's not going to get easier. Now, here's what it will get it will become uh, not easier. It becomes the norm. It becomes what we live with. It becomes okay because what? It becomes it beca- even more than tolerable. It's just, it's just the way it is. And as Christians, our character development and our ability to be salt, light, and the presence of God is dependent upon this. Which is why we have all the scriptures that talk about persevering through difficulty. Count all joy, brothers, when you face difficulties of many kinds. Why? Because it builds a capacity, your ability to keep going, even when you don't think you can. So it gets harder. So you can put tired, pain, frustrated, angry, depressed, whatever it is that you face. The capacity to get through that is by pushing through it when you're in it until it just becomes another thing that you have to deal with. So as you're going back to our analogy then from Patagonia to Pittsburgh, when you're traveling the first mile and you start getting blisters on your feet, you're whining and complaining, why do I have blisters? You get 500 miles down the road and you, you don't have blisters anymore, do you? You got calluses. You start off, and a bullet flies past you because there's a sniper in the tree, and you're surprised and shocked and scared. You get 500 miles down the road, and you hear a gunshot, and you're on the ground before it even gets to you because you recognize it now. Because the capacity is built by pushing through it. That's why when you look, he talked about following examples and models. That's how they got there. They went through all the stuff that you're now facing. And they become victorious because they kept their eyes on Christ. They kept their eyes on the, they walk in the step of the Holy Spirit following the manual that's been given them. Another bullet point. We're not going to get through all that's in your outline, so just relax. (laughs) Going over this morning, I had a hunch. Um, Next bullet point. It is essential to refuse to go it alone. It is essential to refuse to go it alone. As we begin this Christian journey, um, and I know this, this is going to be a shock because you probably never experienced this, but there will be some other Christians who irritate you. Right? <laughs> Anybody surprised by that? No. There are, because you've been Christians for a while. There are going to be some people that just frustrate the life out of you. There are going to be people that have idiosyncrasies. There are going to be people who who sin against you. Yeah. They're going to be, they're just going to, and the, the devil will come in with this lie. You don't need to put up with this. Mm-hmm. Just go it. just take the next path on your own. Yeah. And if you do, you're dead. We have to refuse this lie from the enemy that I can just sit at home and be a Christian. I can just do it all by myself. Because when he isolates us, he is able to, to give us wrong ideas, wrong thoughts, wrong theology. If we're not following the Holy Spirit and following the manual. We have to refuse. That will be a temptation all of our lives. Because there come times when um, you stay around here in our membership class. We, one of the things that I say is, if you stay around here long enough, I will hurt your feelings. I'll say something. I'll do something. Not that I, I won't do it on purpose, but I'm not perfect either. And you're going to have to decide at that point: Are you? Do you really believe that God wants you to be a part of this body? And if you do, then you come to me and we work it out. Amen. But the temptation is: Well, Herb is a pastor. He's been a pastor for a long time, so he must have done that on purpose, and mm-hmm. because he's, you know, he's farther along, and he, you know, he won't listen to me anyway, because. He's got reverend in front of his name. So, I mean, he's got to be perfect. It must be, all those kind of lies. Instead of realizing Jesus had to deal with 12 who were always at each other's. And then you move into the book of Acts and they're still arguing and fussing. And they, but they worked it out. The ones that lasted worked it out. So refuse the temptation to say, I'm going to go it alone. That's, a, that's part of what we've been dealing with in the shape training. If you've not been through it, you need to go through it. Because we're learning that it's about the body. Being the body of Christ so that we can please Him. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 18 to 20. But as it is, God arranges the members in the body. He's the one that puts it. he makes you an arm or an ear or a hand or a foot or a mouth or an eye. You know, he, he may, and he's the one that puts it as a part of the body. If you give in to the temptation to say, I'm going to go it alone, and you're the eye, the body is damaged. Because now it only has one eye. And if you're a hand and you say, I don't need this, now the body is hindered. Because you need it. And you need the body. Because it's God who does it. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And together, we fulfill the plan of God. And so traveling from Patagonia to Pittsburgh, you've got 10 people working together. And that's going to be a hard journey. It's going to be a hard journey, but it's going to be hard because... You're dealing with people that have all kinds of different ideas and idiosyncrasies. Different places on their journey. But if you don't stick together, the journey gets harder. And some people aren't going to make it. We need each other. So he's going to go into um, some very specific, very practical um, things that we will face on this journey in chapter 4. Um, but the underlying principle, let me just give you that. I didn't put it in your outline. But the underlying principle, sometimes we make complicated things that are very simple. And here's the, so here's the principle. Traveling this journey, everything is about being selfless loving God with all our heart soul mind and strength loving one another as our as ourselves selfless all the issues arise when we're selfish when we start putting our eyes on ourselves before God or our eyes on ourselves before other people it really mostly is that simple selfish or self. Now, the complicated thing is sometimes we don't know when we're being selfish. We don't recognize it. So we have to help each other. Sometimes we don't know when we need each other. Like Daniel jumping up and get something that could have been a very dangerous situation because he's trying to do it all on his own. Let me give you one other application and then we'll come back the rest of this next week. Does what uh, I'm dealing with, well, I don't know how I want to say this, is what I'm frustrated with, is what I'm angry with, is what um, I'm upset about or distracted by, does that matter to Jesus? I think that's a good application. And I think that's where, as we're on this journey... We need to become more and more familiar with the manual, the Bible, which is why we offer devotional books and, and, and encourage you to do the daily readings and dig deeper and ask God what he wants to show you so, they, so you're getting to know the Bible. Um, but also how walking in step with the Holy Spirit, surrendering, listening, and obeying. Because if it doesn't matter to Jesus, don't get distracted by it. Because there are so many things in this world that just are not that important. Mm-hmm. And that's where the selfishness versus selfless versus selfish comes in. All right, I said all of that out of one verse. <laughs> <laughs> Philippians 4.1. You knew this was coming, didn't you? you? You saw it when I handed it to you. <laughs> Therefore, my brothers, whom I love, and long for, my joy and crown. Stand firm thus in the Lord. Stand firm thus in the Lord. Without that foundation, when we start talking in chapter 4 about conflict and worry and wrong thinking and contentment and giving, it's not going to matter. Would you bow your heads as we close? Lord, we confess that um, after we've been Christians for a while, we think we know what it means to stand firm. Mm. Lord, uh, we surrender and confess to you today that um, sometimes we're just arrogant in that way. And so we open our minds and our hearts to you And ask that in the weeks ahead, you would help us to understand more deeply, more broadly, more intricately, what it means to stand firm in you, to make this journey together all the way home. Lord, I pray for each person today as they've listened to what um, what we've talked about, what your word says, the applications that God, you would drive deeply in their hearts and their minds and their souls that which you want to wrestle with them about and that you would wrestle hard with us until we surrender and we listen and obey and, and take another step with you. God, I pray, give us your perspective on all that we are, all that we do, all that we face and help us to learn what it really means to lock arms together in this independent society that we live in. Um, Teach us to love. Teach us to live for you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.